Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, Heal Squad. Glad to be back with you today. We'll start with our quote of the day. It's one of my favorite quotes ever, by the way. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. That is from Hippocrates. Friends, I don't know why we have strayed from that, but we have. Heal Squad, it is going to be a great day today. You know why? Because when you know better, you get better. And that's what we're going to do here today. We have another all-star show lined up for you today. But first, if you haven't left us a review, please do. Thank you so much to everyone who has. They light us up. They keep us going. We will put a link in the summary of this episode to make it super easy. You just click on it. Tell us how it's been going for you, anything that's changed, shifted in your life, what you've loved, a guest you've loved, any of it um, would be great. Don't forget, we have our merch at mariamenunos.com. You can get a t-shirt or a mug or something to keep reminding you that you are on this healing journey. Also, as you know, Macy's is a big supporter of the show and we're so grateful to them. I do have my link, macy's.com backslash heel squad with all of my top picks from the site currently. And so with summer upon us, I have some new fashion that I've put up there. There's all kinds of stuff for your home and kitchen and gift ideas. So head on over there for anything that's coming up. <clears throat> we get credit for anything that you buy through that link. So even if you say, Maria, I didn't have what I wanted there. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't read your mind at the moment, but I will get there, I'm sure. Just purchase through that link and it gives us a credit and it helps us keep the lights on here. So thank you for that. As we talk about brain fog that a lot of us have now, we think it's because I'm always on the computer screen or I'm always on the phone or my mind's in 20 places. And I'm sure some of that's true, but, but you talk about how the brain can also suffer from inflammation. Right. One of the things that surprises most people, uh, we now have very good blood tests to look for leaky gut. And if you have leaky gut, the odds are you have leaky brain. And inflammation 
information is actually sent up to the brain and your brain is activated to be ready for what's coming from the gut. And the cells in our brain that protect our neurons, which are called glial cells or microglial cells, they're basically the bodyguards, uh, uh, secret service of the brain. And they actually get signals that come from the gut that there's trouble down below and to protect the brain cells at all costs. And these guys, fascinating videos, you can even see them online, of these glial cells actually eating the neuron dendrites where one neuron talks to another neuron cell to try and protect the neuron from this invasion that's coming up. And it's no wonder that you know, we're foggy brain, we don't think right, where memory is kind of screwed up, because this is now called neuroinflammation. So if you got leaky gut, you got leaky brain. And what this is, is a warning sign, because neuroinflammation is actually what's driving the epidemic of dementia, the epidemic of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, they're all tied in to leaky gut. And I, I always say, like, my heart goes out to anyone who has Alzheimer's or family members who do, because those are the diseases that don't just put you in peril, but everyone around you, you know, yeah. because, you know, yeah, because quite frankly, you know, the people who are the caregivers oh. for the dementia patients, they suffer in a way even more than the yeah. person with with that yeah. disease. Yeah, you're right. And again. Two generations ago, um, Parkinson's and um, Alzheimer's were oddities. They were not the rule. And they're, you know, they're very rare to see these sorts of things in people who don't eat our diet, who people who are not, quote, westernized. But now we're seeing this epidemic. It's an epidemic. Uh, I mean, it's literally an epidemic. And the important information about that is Regardless of what you see on TV, there is absolutely no treatment or cure for Parkinson's or for uh, Alzheimer's, but it is totally and completely preventable and often salvageable by the minute you see this sort of thing, it can be stopped in its tracks. And that's what we do in our clinic as well. Um, with... Uh... I have so many questions now. Um, with regard to leaky gut, if, if, what are the, I mean, okay, I guess the bloating and the lack of energy and the constipation of diarrhea seems to be an indication, but what is the actual test? I didn't know there was an actual leaky gut test. Can you tell us what the specific test is that we can ask our physicians about? Well, so... Medicare insurance doesn't pay for it, number one. Right. Uh, number two, if I was going to have one test that I would ask my physician to tell me my fate, it would be a fasting insulin level. Not a hemoglobin A1C, not a fasting blood sugar, not a glucose. It would be a fasting insulin level. And the reason for that is about 80% of Americans have pre-diabetes or insulin resistance. And as I tell my uh, women patients, telling you you have pre-diabetes is like telling you you're a little bit pregnant. Um, there's 
Prediabetes is insulin resistance, and insulin resistance, the overwhelming cause of it is leaky gut. Hmm. And the more we can, for instance, a fasting insulin level uh, should be absolutely less than 10, and most of us think it should be less than 6. Uh, give you a personal example. When I started on myself uh, 23 years ago, uh, my fasting insulin level was 16. My fasting insulin level, and that's very high. That's pre-diabetic. My fasting insulin level now is two. And my wife has a fasting insulin level of less than one. I hate her. Um, I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, so at 16, would you say you had leaky gut? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you can do uh, this just with normal blood work, right? You just have to. Yeah. Got a it. fasting insulin level will cost you eight bucks. Wow. Wow. The other thing I would recommend everyone get is a highly sensitive HS dash CRP. And just kind of remember the word crap. It's a marker of inflammation and it makes you feel like crap. And so those are two really easily obtained tests, cheap tests. That's a really good starting point. And this is all in the book. And I okay. go through other tests that people can get. And by the way, and there's so much in the book, you guys. There's recipes. There's there's more specifics. We're just touching the broader strokes. It's it's called The Energy Paradox uh, by Dr. Stephen Gundry. It is out. And this is something that you will continually be able to refer to um, literally for the rest of your life. I, I think this is just so important. But, doctor, please continue. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. 
I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T H E O U A I dot com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Yeah, so though that's a really good starting point. Again, there's, there's more sophisticated tests we can do. Um, these but this is a really good starting and point. with the highly sensitive hs-crp what levels are we looking for are there is it a yes and no positive negative L less than one less than one and anything above that you're you better go looking for why that is and very Simple well could be and very well could be leaky gut correct and is there a more okay so if someone is a little bit let more, me give me another example okay. if you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's thyroid. Which is what I, I have that. Perfect. So okay. you have, by definition, leaky gut. And if we get rid of your leaky gut, 90% chance in my clinic that your Hashimoto's will go away. In fact, 80% of my practice is now autoimmune diseases that nobody can figure out. And we have a 90% success rate with wow. ridding someone of an autoimmune disease uh, by following our program, that's all in the energy paradox. Wow. Dr. Gundry, where is your practice? LA. So I have offices in Palm Springs and in Santa Barbara. Great. And uh, we see people from all over the world. Yeah, I believe. We actually it. take insurance. We take Medicare. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I believe it. It's such an investment in yourself. And then if you did want to invest in a more sophisticated test, you'd said some of the testing is, is expensive Is it for the leaky yeah. gut. Is there, what, what would be an example? Yeah, so one of the best, uh, the one I use is a company called Vibrant America. And their test for leaky gut is stupidly named the Wheat Zoomer. And the name was made up long before Zoom calls, I assure you. Hmm. Uh, but it is a wonderfully accurate test for leaky gut. 
and it'll cost you 199 bucks. I mean, short money, in my opinion, for the, for the ramifications that are going on. And I think um, certainly so much with um, our food, uh, because I know we don't have you too long. Can, can we talk about uh, timing and chrono consumption, you know, for, for, for maybe the e yeah. eating habits and how those are feeding into this? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, one of the things that probably most of us are aware of but don't think about is we we now eat the average american is eating something for up to 16 hours every day from literally the second we wake up until right before we go to bed and that gives us about eight hours of downtime um, before uh, we didn't do that in fact if you look at hunter gatherers like the hadzas they don't they don't get up and say, what's for breakfast? There is no breakfast. They have to find breakfast. And so they actually don't eat until about 11 o'clock in the morning when they've found something to eat. And studies have looked at the impact of compressing our eating window and what I call chrono consumption, time consumption. We could call it intermittent fasting. We can call it time-restricted feeding, however we want to call it. But the evidence in humans as well as in animal studies show that the more we can compact our eating window, the time we start eating to the time we finish eating during the day, to about six to eight hours is going to have incredible ramifications on our health, our health span, our longevity, and paradoxically, our energy production. We've been told, oh my gosh, you know, I got to eat lots of meals all throughout the day to keep my energy levels up. Yeah. And in fact, this is actually the way to stop your energy production that I go into in the book. The other thing that's really important that the book really stresses is it's almost impossible for most people who have insulin resistant to go, let's suppose tomorrow I say, okay, tomorrow we're all gonna have break fast breakfast at noon. Okay, let's go. Well, most of us would fall flat on our faces trying to get to noon because we actually can't make a shift in energy production. But at the same time, tomorrow, let's suppose you normally eat breakfast at seven, I'll say, let's make it to eight before you eat breakfast. Can you do that? And you go, oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. Then I'll say, how about Thursday, uh, Friday, we make it till nine o'clock. Can you do that? Okay. And I'll let you have the weekend off. And then next week, we'll start again one hour at a time delaying our breakfast. And we have a six-week program where slowly but surely we retrain our eating habits so that by the end of six weeks, you're eating break fast at noon and you're finishing up about seven o'clock at night and the energy levels soar. And the good news is you actually get time off on the weekends. Uh, and we've shown in human studies that if we give you a break over the weekends, you're liable to stick with this program for life. And it literally is a life-changing and energy-changing program. I believe it. And and how does, uh, we've had some sleep specialists on the show. How does sleep affect this or does it? 
the, the yeah, that's a great question. Um, it turns out, and I've been writing about this for years, one of the things that people need to realize is that the brain actually undergoes a wash cycle where it cleans itself. Um, it's called the lymphatic circulation, and there won't be a test. But Oh, no, it seems like we have frozen. He was talking, uh, Dr. Gundry was talking about the brain uh, I think recycling, you know, when you sleep, because we've heard that from other people as well. Okay. So we're just going to, we are pausing for technical difficulties. Please stand by. Hmm. I'm gonna leave it. They're frozen. So let's oh, hold that thought. We'll oh, back. you guys back? Yeah, we've, we've, oh my Lord. The dog did it. Yes, we'll blame, yeah, we blame Winnie. So, so <laughs> let, let, let's uh, take it from um, how the brain recycles uh, with sleep, if that's possible, yeah, so, doctor. Yeah, so during the brain goes through literally a wash cycle, and it happens early in sleep, and it's called deep sleep. And you need a tremendous amount of blood flow to your brain to accomplish this, so literally a wash cycle. If you eat near the time you go to bed, our digestion takes huge amounts of blood flow. And all that blood is down in your intestines doing the work, and it's not available to actually wash your brain. And that's why study after study shows that it's really important to have at least three hours between your last meal of the day and the time you go to sleep so your brain is able to undergo this wash cycle. And what's so exciting about that is during this wash cycle, you wash out all of this debris that accumulates in your brain, things like uh, tau proteins, things like amyloid plaques that are very highly associated with developing Alzheimer's. And without that wash cycle, uh, these things don't get washed out. So it's another reason why not eating near the time you go to bed is so important to protect your brain, if nothing else. Obeying the chrono consumption plan, as you said. Um, can, can we, so we, earlier we mentioned, you mentioned the seven deadly disruptors. Can you speak to, to, to some of the, the deadly disruptors in terms of brain health? Sure, yeah, real, real briefly, one of the things, the number one energy disruptor is antibiotics. Uh, broad spectrum antibiotics that we take uh, that are fed to our animals. Uh, people don't realize that it's still very legal to feed cows, pigs, uh, antibiotics that make them grow fatter and faster. It's illegal now to feed them to chickens. However, there's a loophole in the law that if a veterinarian taking care of 100,000 chickens thinks that one chicken might be sick, that he can give antibiotics oh. to the entire flock to save that one chicken. And the vet is hired by the big food corporation. And of course, he might have an interest in keeping his job. Uh, so it, 60%, uh, some studies show of natural non-antibiotic chickens still have uh, antibiotic So, residue. So if, Doc, for the, for, the, you know, for the average person out there, where, where can we buy meats that are, um, that are gonna be free of that? You know, yeah, or so are there ones? So look for grass-fed, grass-finished beef. And it's really important to look for the second part. Here's the problem. 
it there is no legal definition of grass fed so if a cow eats grass for one day of its life and then is taken to the feedlot and fed grains and soybeans the rest of its life you can legally call it grass fed because it ate grass for one day uh on the other hand, if it eats grass its entire life, then that means it's grass fed and grass finished. And you'll find this labeling, uh, for instance, Whole Foods is, an, is just an example. Know your farmer. The same way with chickens. The federal law, get this, says that you can label a chicken free range organic. If you keep it in a warehouse with 100,000 other chickens, feed it organic corn and organic soybeans and open a door to the outside for five minutes every 24 hours and the chicken has the opportunity to go outside. Oh, and there's a catch. If the price of organic grains and soybeans go double the normal price, you can switch over to conventional grains and soybeans and still label it organic because you meant well. Federal so, law passed in 2007. So what is the, for us, what is the workaround? Like I know we, with the other ones, we have grass-fed, grass-finished. No, no you, so try to find pasture-raised chicken and know your farmer and find out what additional foods that you're, uh, that they're feeding them. And, uh, go ahead, doctor, sorry. Yeah, there's even, uh, come to my podcast, the Dr. Gundry podcast and look for Farmer Dan's interview, lectin-free chicken. Farmer Dan is in Texas, and he's now raising lectin-free pastured chicken. That's awesome. And is, it's really cool. Is it true that um, that lamb is is one of the meats that's not shot with steroids? I had heard that. Yeah. So uh, lamb from New Zealand is grass-fed and grass-finished. Uh, about 80% of lamb from Australia is grass-fed and grass-finished. Unfortunately, a great deal of the lamb in the United States is fed grains. I actually have several sheep farmers that have had to switch over to feeding their lambs grain to get them to market uh, economically. Mm -hmm. So, But New Zealand has a law that you can only have grass-fed, grass-finished lamb. Wow. And so what are some of the other disruptors, doctor, while I still have you? So uh, a ton of our pharmaceuticals, even over-the-counter pharmaceuticals, are a great way to uh, make leaky gut. For instance, ibuprofen and naproxen, Advil and Aleve, are actually like swallowing hand grenades that make holes in the wall of our gut. The antacids like Nexium and Prilosec actually change your gut microbiome and, wildly enough, they actually stop the production of energy in our mitochondria. And that's why there used to be a law that you could only take these for only two weeks because they were so dangerous in producing dementia and congestive mm -hmm. heart failure. And now we have people on these for years and years and years mm -hmm. for heartburn. And what and what do you say to like Tums and th those kind of antacids? Tums are perfectly safe, although Rolaids actually have less sugar than Tums. Okay. All right, that's kind of good. Well, so that's an option. When we need that. Any other disruptors? Heartburn, heartburn, believe it or not, is a sign of lectins, and lectins are the cause of heartburn. I used to have horrible heartburn, uh, and once I got lectins out of my life, it all went away, like all my patients. 
more disruptors. Uh, blue light. We were talking about sleep. Blue light is everywhere. It's in our computer screens. It's in our cell phones. It's in our lighting. And blue light actually makes you stay awake. It's one of the best sleep disruptors ever devised. And it makes you hungry. Uh, blue light was designed to stimulate hunger hormone production. <laughs> and so uh, when you go home, get yourself a pair of blue blocking glasses. They're becoming extremely cheap. They don't necessarily look like sun, sunglasses anymore. Wear them once the sun goes down. Uh, make sure on your devices that you put the nighttime mode uh, automatically change over to less blue light uh, after the sun goes down. Uh, if you're going to watch a TV uh, before you go to bed, please, please, please get a pair of blue blocking glasses to watch it and make a big difference. Wow. Um, and I guess lastly, like j just, I know you, you have in the book some do's and don'ts, you know, I, I know we heard a lot already, <laughs> yeah. but in summary, you know, I guess the do's are eating, you know, it seems so, like, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and I've said this in every book. I learned this from a gastroenterologist at Great Ormond Street in London when I was training there. It's not what I tell you to eat that's so important. It's what I tell you not to eat that's so important. Uh, and rule number one, we've got a yes list and a no list. But it's far more important to stay away from the things that are going to cause leaky gut. And those in general are the grains except sorghum and millet. Uh, if you're going to eat like rice, believe it or not, eat white rice instead of brown rice. Really? Four billion people use rice as their staple. And four billion people use white rice rather than brown rice. Four billion people cannot be that stupid. They've been taking the hull off of rice for eight thousand years because the hall contains the lectins. You know, that's when I started realizing too that there was maybe some things going wrong. I was like, oh God, I'm bloated a lot. There is some loose stool situation going on. There's like all this stuff. And you know, it's it's hard to catch up with what's happening sometimes. And yeah. I think that um even just mentioning those symptoms, someone's going to kind of like look down and be like, yeah, that's kind of happening to me too. And yeah. those are the red flags to start exactly. addressing your gut issues before they become bigger issues. Exactly. The earlier you can catch any issue, the better. So yes, most people, I mean, I see this all the time in my practice. Most people come in, they're not even complaining of gut issues. But when you ask them, they say, oh, yeah, actually, I do get bloated. Uh, actually, yeah, I, my stools are looser than they should be. So, yes, most people just accept these symptoms as normal. But the earlier you catch anything, the easier it is to reverse. And it doesn't mean if you've had it for years, you can't reverse it either. That's the beauty of the body. The body is an incredible organism that actually wants to heal and wants to, you know, create balance and get back to normal if we give if we give it what it wants and what it needs, unfortunately, we don't a lot of the time. Yeah. If you had a gut issue, like if I was like, okay, yes, I'm bloated. Yes, I have loose stool most of the time. I would go to a gastroenterologist. And what would they do for me, Dr. Lipman? Because I've never really gone to one that I can remember in recent times. 
Well, that's another great question because unfortunately the gastroenterologist will do an endoscopy maybe or colonoscopy and they won't find anything because, you know, those tests are normal. It's this, this metaphor I give, you know, in Western medicine, there's disease and there's health. There's black and there's white and there's nothing in between. But there's this huge gray spectrum between health and disease. And what I do and what functional medicine doctors in general do, do is try to take you from the, you know, the, the dark area of the disease towards health. So until there's a major problem, a gastroenterologist is probably not going to pick it up and just going to give you some drug to suppress a symptom. So, yes, unfortunately, this key organ system of the body is not dealt particularly well with in Western medicine. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, it's funny, even my doctor was saying I should see somebody in gastroenterology because I have in, what was it, enviro, hold on, I have it written down here. It was intrinsic factor antibodies because I'm anemic and I'm B12 deficient. Right. And my A1C levels are a little higher than normal. So it was one of those things where he's like, you should probably, I think he suggested an endoscopy. Yeah, you can have an endoscopy. There may be something wrong with your gut. You know, I don't know if you've been checked for SIBO. That's one of the tests that they can do. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That's a breath test. Mm -hmm. There's some tests that, you know, even traditional doctors can do. Unfortunately, they don't do. There are some more and more interesting tests that we now have available that can actually help us determine what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yes, I agree. If you have antibody, intrinsic factor antibodies, it's usually a, and a low, it'll cause a low B12. It's usually a, often a gut problem, and you need to have your gut checked out. So to be continued, Maria, let's get this sorted out. Yeah, isn't that funny? I was like, Kelsey, am I catching your your gut stuff, sympathy pains here? Like, what's happening? I never had that I before. Said yes. <laughs> but I always have had anemic uh, tendencies. I'm always anemic. My family's all anemic. And um, I think B12 has always been a little thing that right, I've needed. You may not be absorbing B12, exactly. Yeah, yeah, my dad isn't either. My dad, it's funny. So we're all kind of in the in the zone. But I know because of my physical and my A1C levels being higher, I'm really having to focus on, okay, this is something I don't want to get out of control. I've got to cut the sugar, which you talk about. Okay. Yep. Um, and what's funny is when you give yourself the space to be a little bit more still, you start to see what these things do to you. So the second I had even a smidge of sugar, the inflammation and the phlegm that pops up, you're just, if just yeah. a one little half a piece of something. Exactly. And this is what happens. We are so tuned into the outside world, especially in the last you know, couple of years, never mind weeks. There's been so much info, you know, everyone's so caught up in, in the external world. We don't tune in. And I think as you get older, it also becomes more and more and more and more important to whether it's meditation or yoga, do some internal work where you actually tune in and listen to what's going on and not get so caught up with all this external chatter, which is very easy. So a lot of, you know, what what I'm recommending is this ancient wisdom, which is now we have this modern research, which, which validates a lot of the ancient wisdom about, you know, moving your body, about meditation, which is you know, about sleep. A lot of this wisdom, which I, you know, which is ancient, and most cultures have talked about it, but now we actually have the research to to validate you know what they've been saying for centuries. 
Yeah. But sugar is a huge issue for people. And I've had some challenges where I, you know, there's so many things that have popped up in the market now, so many alternatives for sugar, so many alternatives to meat. And that's another thing I want to talk about that you mentioned in the book that I really loved uh, was breaking down those kind of impossible burgers and all of that. But uh, I have always been of the belief that if you're going to do it, do the real thing, because the fake thing is going to be worse. And I feel like you're kind of on that page, too. Exactly. Exactly the same page. So those fake meats, for instance, um, you know, you know, we have unfortunately the, the food industry caters to, you know, what the culture wants. So the fake meats now, I'm, I'm not saying that the from a um, uh, ag- what's the word from a, a climate perspective or whatever you you know from a uh, environmental. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Environmental perspective, the you know having a meat alternative is not a bad idea, but from a health perspective, it's full of junk. It's fake food. Why would you want to eat that? Um, now, occasionally, if you you know if you want that feel of a burger and you don't eat meat for you know for um, philosophical reasons, I understand. But to think that it's healthy, it's nonsense. Rather have a grass-fed burger without the bun than the fake meat. Um, you know, I'm against all that fake food, whether it's, you know, gluten alternatives or these meat alternatives, you know, just eat, eat real food, you know, eat food as close to nature. I think that it's what we're doing to the food that's more of a problem, you know, you know, I always say if it's made in a factory, it's probably not good for you. Um, if it's made by nature, it's probably good. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Although I have cut the one teaspoon of sugar I put in my coffee every morning. That was oh, getting see, that's unnecessary. You can just cut that. Yeah, yeah, you don't need that. Yeah, I said goodbye to it. Bye-bye. Good. I was like, goodbye, we don't need you. Um, because and then your taste buds adjust. You don't need yeah. it. You realize, yeah. Well, we have the soy milk. There's The soy milk is creamy enough in there. It's um, organic, non-GMO, and I love it. Um, but uh, you also talked about I mean, there's so many tips in here that I've already started applying, like I said, but good right. salt versus bad salt. I thought that was a fascinating discussion. I've never heard anybody else talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think salt, um, uh, I don't make a big issue of salt, to be quite honest. I know it's become, a, you know, a lot of in Western medicine, especially in cardiology, they make a big issue of salt. The problem is I think we get so much salt from, you know, processed foods. That's the problem. And, you know, regular salt now has has had the iodine, has had all the minerals taken out of it, you know, regular table salt. So I'm a big fan of like Himalayan salt or even sea salt, you know, proper salts that haven't had these, I think there's 17 or 20 minerals that get extracted from it. So I'm not against salt, just use real salt, not the fakes, you know, not salt that has had all these minerals taken out. The table salt. Yeah. 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 And then in terms of the meat, let's go back to that for a second, because we um, have partnered with Thrive Market on this show for a yeah. while. And I know that you're actually a fan of it as well. And what yeah. you brought to my attention that I hadn't realized and had skimmed over because it wasn't a priority for me was the fact that they have organic meat, but they have the proper meat that you say. So one of the things that I want to kind of clarify for people is when you're at the supermarket and you're looking at the meats, what you're looking for is grass-fed, grass-finished exactly. in, in meat. But is what is it in poultry and all of that? 
Okay, so that's a great point. So organic red beef doesn't mean anything except that the corn that the cows were fed is organic. Now, when you feed cows corn, they become acidotic and, and they have to be given an antibiotics and, and all, all sorts of things. So feeding, uh, you know, cows are ruminants that have two stomachs. They need to eat grass. Grass is what they need to be fed. If you want to eat meat, you should be eating grass-fed and grass-finished meat. When it comes to poultry and eggs, organic and pasture-raised is what you're looking for. Um, but labeling has become tricky as well. I mean, I, I'm not labeling has become a problem, but uh, in general, I trust Thrive. I think Thrive is a wonderful market. I think they're doing the right thing. I think I wish there were more Thrives, uh, um, but I'm a big supporter of Thrive. But meat should be grass fed and grass finished, poultry, organic, um, eggs, pasture raised. There, there's a lot of bioindividuality with this, right? And every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. There's people need to realize that there's no, like I'm doing nothing for your biochemistry food. There's no Switzerland meal. There's no neutral food when it comes to every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it and really realizing that. But, you know, it's, there should be a grace and lightness to this. And there's a lot of nuance and context to these conversations. And it's not about restriction. It's really about focusing on foods that love you back. So, I mean, one of the staples that I talk about in gut feelings are these soups and stews, which people would have done for a long time. I mean, when you hear the the, the cliche of, well, when someone's sick, there's chicken noodle soup. It's not the noodles that people are getting some supportive benefits from. It's the soups. It's the broths. It's the vegetables. It's the soft cooked vegetables. It's the soft cooked protein that are there. So if you're talking about nourishing your gut brain axis, Soups and stews are, and broths are one of the best group of things to integrate into your life. And it's not about what you can't have. As I say in the book, eat whatever you want, but I want you to start shifting your perspective to using meals as a medicine and a meditation and say, okay, how did this meal make me feel? Did it make me feel great? Did it love me back or didn't it love me back? And with, if you may be out with your friends and family and it, maybe it was that food that maybe didn't love you back as much, but you were socializing and hanging out with your friends. It was the community and the time spent was medicinal with your friends and family and it was worth it. Then eat it and move on. Like shame is worse than any food that didn't love you back, any junk food. But you may use your meal as a meditation and realize, oh, you know what, that really wasn't worth it for me. I felt bloated. I felt kind of fatigued. I felt hungover the next day from something. And you like feeling great more than you thought you wanted something that didn't love you back. And I think that's that mindfulness practice that I feel is really the paradigm shift for people. Because it's not about this list of do's or don'ts. It's that you're growing an awareness. And really, it's a meditation practice uh, to be your own end of one experiment, to learn and get feedback from your body talk. What does your body love and what does your body hate? So that's what I mean by foods that love you back. There's a, so obviously some commonalities between most people that foods that just tend to not love anybody back, but that's there's a lot of nuance and gradient of, of exceptions to, because I, I mean, talking to people for a living, looking at labs, if I hung my hat on one specific way of eating that applies to everybody, 
I'd be proven wrong all day long. So there's a lot, there's a lot of bioindividuality when it comes to food, just like so much else in wellness. So I remember reading in the book something about even healthy foods, you have to be aware of that they might be causing you to bloat, right? What are some of those foods that you've seen that are common, that are healthy, that mm -hmm. still are bloating some of your patients? Yeah. So they're, I th the most common ones would be whole grains and legumes. Those are, they can work great for some people. There's nothing whole inherently wrong. Like the quinoas and... Quinoa, rice, yeah, corn, uh, ancient grains that are out there like the amaranth, buckwheat, um, and even like whole wheat. Like many people will get the sprouted whole wheat bread that, you know, is by, it looks so healthy, right? But it, it can definitely cause digestive issues in some people. Some people it works great. And that's that bioindividuality that I was talking about. Same with legumes, beans, lentils, nuts and seeds are another example. Work great for some people, cause digestive problems in other people. So it's not about making an indictment on a specific food and saying, well, that's always bad. Because, you know, other than processed junk, like foods that have no nutritional value, and even that, people can have those and feel fine. It's not that it's going to be healthy for you. And you, you could look at their inflammation levels or their blood sugar, and it's probably impacting that. But on a, I feel a certain way, if we're talking about digestive health specifically and musculoskeletal inflammation and let's say brain fog, fatigue, and things like that. Uh, these whole foods can be problematic uh, for some people, but the foods that are probably the less known that can be problematic for some people from a digestive gut brain axis standpoint, if someone has a lot of digestive issues, a lot of raw vegetables can cause some bloating and digestive issues. It doesn't mean the vegetables are bad, but it just means your gut needs some TLC, some repairing time, a proverbial siesta in a way mm. to allow to digest it. So that's why soups and stews are so therapeutic because it kind of takes and it pre-digests the vegetables in some ways where your, your gut can focus on healing and getting gaining resilience and not digesting all the plant fibers. Um, and we even, like with fruits, we have some patients have more di delicate, uh, sensitive digestive uh, systems. They'll have like cooked fruits, like a compote, like inside of a pie without the pie part um, that can make it more digestible. Um, higher FODMAP vegetables specifically can be for people that have SIBO, we see a lot of digestive issues clinically. So people that have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So things like onions and garlic and cruciferous vegetables, um, those are higher FODMAP. And then I would say lots of raw greens can be hard on the digestion issue as well. This is not news. I mean, this is not news to traditional like ancient medicine. If you look at traditional Chinese medicine, if you look at Ayurvedic medicine, they talk, they knew this thousands of years ago. If you have digest digestive problems, focusing on soups and stews, cooked foods, warm foods, it's easier on your gut. So functional medicine is just reminding people <laughs> what the ancients already knew. Yeah. What, what do you start with? Do you start with the gut when you have a patient, labs and gut? Yeah. Health history. Health history is the unsexy part, but it's really looking at what labs are the most relevant, right? So you don't want to run labs if you don't need to, like what is the most condition specific relevant labs and what are the stones that are most likely to have something underneath it, so to speak, from a differential diagnosis standpoint. Um, but if you're looking at the most common upstream root issue, 
the gut's a good place to start for most people. You're going to get more. It's a bigger needle mover for most people because of the influence that it wields on our mood, the influence that it wields on inflammation levels, the influence that wields on our hormones, um, and of course, our digestion. There's a whole slew of people that have digestive problems. But even these downstream issues like brain issues, like hormonal problems and metabolic issues and inflammation issues, the gut actually is implicated in all of those issues in many cases. So yeah, it is a good place to start. Uh, and then from there, you can get granular and more specific based off of labs. So how does one know physically that they have inflammation issues? So you could go off of symptoms first. Um, you know, if you look at the fact that inflammation is the commonality between just about every health problem, I would think taking an assessment uh, and see, checking in with your body. What's your body telling you? We see these symptoms in functional medicine oftentimes is like a check engine light. Okay, the check engine light's on. What's my body telling me? So starting from your you know head down, I mean, brain fog, anxiety, depression, there's a whole field of research called the the cytokine model of cognitive function. Cytokines are pro-inflammatory cells. So it's researchers looking at how does inflammation impact how my brain works. So that's those are inflammatory in nature. And moving down, I mean, if you look at the skin, a skin is oftentimes an outer window as to what's going on inside the body, specifically the gut. We have what's called the gut-skin axis. So oftentimes, you know, breakouts or redness or you know, eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis. They are oftentimes, they're, they're inflammatory problems, but there, a lot of them have autoimmune components or, or overtly autoimmune in nature. So understanding the gut's hugely be, uh, beneficial with skin issues. Looking at your hair as well, you could look at your th thyroid hormonal problems, estrogen, progesterone issues. All of these are inflammatory because many hormonal problems are signaling issues. They are, the receptor sites are not picking up the hormone the way that we want it to be. So there can be insulin resistance like that and leptin resistance, which can drive weight loss resistance or trouble losing weight as it has inflammatory components Two, Of course, the bigger things that we're talking about, like um, digestive problems, musculoskeletal arthritis issues. So it's, it's implicated in so many different things. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show 
or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heal squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.